You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. Talking games and movies and actors. Words. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Harlem is a show about and for and by black women, celebrating their joy, their power, and their range. In a world filled with homogenous entertainment where black women and the people who love them are eager to see and celebrate the joy, power, and range of black women, Harlem is a show to root for, a show to talk about, a show to see and see yourself in. The series stars Megan Good as Camille, Grace Byers as Quinn, Shaniqua Shendai as Angie, Jerry Johnson as Ty, and Tyler Lepley as Ian. Additional reoccurring guest stars include Whoopi Goldberg, who plays Dr. Elise Pruitt, a brilliant, intense new department head at Columbia University with a warmth that has a fragile on and off switch, as well as actors Jasmine Guy, Andrea Martin, Robert Richard, Juani Feliz, Kate Rockwell, and Sullivan Jones. Created, written, and executive produced by Tracy Oliver, Harlem is a bold and tuned-in comedy following four smart, hilarious, stylish, and ambitious best girlfriends in Harlem, New York City. Watch the new Amazon original series Harlem, available December 3rd on Prime Video. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie, and this episode is hosted by Ryan, Danielle, and yours truly. I am also in this episode. So we decided to go ahead and sit back, relax, and have some girl chat. This episode was actually recorded about a couple of weeks ago, so just FYI. And the topics discussed will be about HBO's hit series Insecure, which is in its final season. And we go back a little bit and talk about the phenomena around the Netflix series Squid Game. So if you are a fan of both shows or either or, either way, I think you're going to enjoy this episode. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast featuring myself, Ryan and Danielle to talk about Insecure and Squid Game. Welcome to the Black Girl Nurse Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and I got a question for you to think about. Would you risk your life for $38.6 million? You know, maybe you want to talk it over with yourself in the mirror, because if you don't know, it's also the final season of Insecure. So this episode is Girl Chat, and I'm so excited because we got a lot of hot topics, a lot of hot shows to talk about. We're talking Squid Game, we're talking Insecure, and I have two lovely co-hosts with me. First of all, the head Black Girl Nerd in charge, CEO, editor, Jamie, how you doing? Good. Glad to be with you on this one, Ryan. 
And we also have Danielle, writer, journalist, no stranger to the Black Girl Nerds listeners. And have you peeped out her new article about Cowboy Bebop? Danielle, what's happening? I'm just happy to be here, ready to spill the tea on some cool stuff. Oh, yeah, we definitely gonna spill the tea. We can have a lot of girl chat. I think we need to like vent first, ladies, you know, have a Black Girl moment, uh, you know, Black Girl Nerd moment here, because we're gonna talk about Insecure first. Season five, I am so sad about this. It's the last season of Insecure, everybody. Last season, I can't believe it. What are we going to do? Um, I'm going to get you ladies' first thoughts about the first four episodes. That's what we're going to recap. So spoiler alert for everybody that hasn't seen them. So pause us real quick. Go check out the four episodes, then come back. But initial thoughts. Jamie, I'll go to you first. I'm probably going to make a lot of people mad listening to this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm not feeling this season at all. And, uh, Issa's getting on my damn nerves. I just, um, have a lot of strong feelings about Issa and the path she is taking and the fact that she cannot make up her mind. It's like, we're now in season five and I'm a little disappointed that we haven't allowed Issa D to evolve at this point, as far as, you know, who she wants in a relationship, what she wants in a relationship. And I feel like I'm watching season one Issa again, you know, with this whole drama with her and Lawrence and Nathan. Um, So, yeah, I am not, I'm not feeling it. Oh, no. Danielle, what you think? (laughs) So I think, Jamie, you're definitely not alone. Um, I think that there's been something a little bit odd about this season but I do appreciate how some of the other characters do call out Issa and basically say, hey, yeah, you're acting like you don't know what you want. Even Nathan says that, you know, like what is going on? You're going back and forth. And so I think that the back and forth she's doing with her relationships is also kind of the back and forth she's doing with her career. She's like, oh, do I want to be for the community, by the community? Or do I want to kind of, you know, try to branch out beyond that? Like, do I want to try to be this big I guess, name or or whatever. So she's definitely kind of in this cognitive dissonance that is frustrating to watch. There are parts that I'm like, I love this. And then parts of it where I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, this is interesting. See, that's why I love when we do these kind of episodes because I'm on the opposite end. I mean, you know, now listen, I'm tired of Issa and her back and forth. Everybody knows about their relationships. She just need to go ahead and pick somebody and stick with it. That's always been the thing about the show. But I'm kind of, I'm enjoying it. Um, I kind of wish she would drop like that. For me, I wish the 30 minute thing wasn't a thing still. But I think she does it now because everybody brings it up to her about why the episodes are so short. Because I'm like, how is she going to get everything that she wants to get wrapped up for this last season? But I don't know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of enjoying it. Um, I think I like the first episode, we'll kind of go to that Reunited Okay, which I like the way she titles all of her episodes. I'm give her that. Uh, that little credit there. Um, what I was reading a lot on Twitter, though, with Reunited, a lot of people were liking the, you know, going into, um, I'm 31, so going into your your 30s or going into like a certain age, sometimes you get you want to reflect back, you know, if you're at a college reunion or something like that, and you're thinking about, well, have I done this, this, and this in my life? Um, and I always thought this show was good about kind of putting that mirror on you and making you kind of reflect and rethink stuff, even though Issa might need to talk to herself some more in the mirror, because I do agree with you guys on relationship things, like she need to get that together. But um, yeah, I like the feel of that first episode. Uh, Jamie or Danielle, whoever wants to jump in here, what did you guys think about the first episode? We can move to another one if you want to. 
Um, I just find it very interesting, the takeaways on social media and reaction to Amanda Seals being an mm. AKA. I just thought. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I totally skipped over that. Yep, exactly. People are doing the most now. And I think there was even like a lawsuit or something that's in uh, that's currently being filed against Issa yeah. Rae by the organ which is interesting because i would think that you know Issa Rae, uh hbo you know hooray productions the whole team behind insecure that they would have gotten the license from aka or you know gotten the permission or rather from right. the akas to use their regalia or whatever in the episode but i'm guessing not um but i just thought that was a really weird criticism of you know people like going after amanda seals uh for her you know wearing the the pink and green colors it was just i don't know it's like you guys you know y'all know this ain't real right <laughs> like, this is no the they do not no definitely not <laughs> danielle what did you think about the first one I mean, I, similar to Jamie again, I was just like, this is really bizarre. Um, I think someone pointed out something that I thought was a good point. I think it's maybe, you know, season one or two, you see Molly has some of the AKA like, um, you know, merch or something and nobody batted an eye. I think that it comes from this weird dislike for Amanda Seals. Like people were waiting for a reason mm, to like yeah. come at her because they already were but this was kind of like oh we you know we got something on her now um and I think at one point like her Instagram was having problems and just like it just really started violating her own personal security her own you know like it was basically cyber bullying um but for the episode I I liked it I liked that kind of um or, you know, origin story reveal of their, you know, their college lives that they've always made reference to in the past, but now we kind of get a, a small look of what that looked like. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know how I totally missed the AKA thing. Like, that was definitely, that was definitely, because I have some family members in that, and they, that, they're like, no jokes with that. Like, even though we're like, y'all know this is not real, they are like, you got to have that stuff lined up. Like any, they coming after you. So just be careful. I'm just, you know, I don't think Issa Rae is so worried about it, which, you know, I'm kind of like, okay, like I'm, I'm agreeing on Jamie, like HBO. I feel like they would have checked a little bit of that out. Not that they need a cyber bully, uh, Amanda Seals though. Like, I mean, they not, you might need to back off that a little bit, but you know, they, they go kind of hard about that in the, in the black community. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess you got to kind of watch it. I'm not in that world. So, but I do know they're very hardcore about that. Um, the second episode, this one surprised me because I thought the time jump or, uh, yeah, the one year time jump, I thought that was going to be the first episode. Like, I thought we we're going to come back. They're going to be these like totally different characters. Everything is going to be new, but it came in this episode, but it was still kind of weird that, um, you know, that Issa Molly relationship, uh, Jamie, what do you think about them? This, were you, were you happy they got back together? Oh, yeah. I mean, I knew that eventually we would come full circle with their relationship, you know, so I'm glad that obviously it's going to end on a high note. And we'll, you know, discuss that in later episodes here. But I'm glad that, you know, Molly and Issa are, you know, team Molly and Issa again, like it's, that's the way um, that's what we've been built on. That's what we were first introduced to when we first saw the pilot episode of Insecure. So that was great. Also, shout out to Yvonne Orgy's new haircut. I mean, like she had that cute little um, short do in this episode that, you know, she went ahead and went natural, which is great because I don't think we've actually seen 
um, Molly wear her hair naturally in, in right. the previous seasons, if I'm not mistaken. So I was glad to see her. I don't know, maybe even her wearing her hair natural as a way of her shedding away some of just the past and the drama. And, you know, there's probably some sort of metaphorical meaning bef- behind her cutting all of her hair off um, or just wearing it naturally. Let's be frank. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was, it, it, it's, it was a great to see the growth between these two and, um, you know, seeing how that navigates throughout this season will be interesting. Yeah, I don't know if you guys watched the um the wind downs they do, but they did like a breakdown of they were kind of talking about just like, you know, black women, what it means when they cut their hair and, you know, how Molly's look. Um, They were talking to one of the, the custom or custom costume designers they have on there. Um, You know, just how she has like a calmer look, the tones of her clothes are a little bit more calmed down. Like this is like a new, you know, change uh, to Molly instead of being like, you know, the bright colors and everything she had. Um kind of like a little bit more toned down Molly. So yes, it's interesting. Um, Danielle, any, any um, thoughts on the episode? Did you, did you like this one year time jump they did? You think it was enough change? Uh, Yeah, I feel like it was enough change because we really, you know, we saw in that first episode, um, like Molly asked, um, you know, or kind of try to figure out when are we going to be back back? you know, and we didn't need all the episodes leading up to them, you know, being back to the way they were. So I'm glad we didn't have all this, you know, filler. Um, And it was just kind of nice to see that this is the strongest relationship in both of their lives. And they both kind of just, you know, ended these major relationships, but they still have each other. So I guess it kind of grows that messages of like, friendships, are sometimes the strongest and most, you know, long lasting relationships that we have in our lives, because they aren't weighed down with all the drama and, you know, kind of emotional ooeyness of, you know, romantic relationships. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of romantic relationships, what about pressure? That episode, whoo, that was, that was a lot going on there with Lawrence uh yeah Jamie I don't know I, I'm gonna go to you first because I got a lot of thoughts about this one I don't, I don't like Lawrence I'm just gonna go Lawrence Jamie and let you let you take it away okay I mean I, I again kind of sort of sort of what I was complaining about with Issa's character we haven't really seen much growth from Lawrence Lawrence is still kind of that messy you know a little bit irresponsible like here he is having these casual sexual relationships and mm-hmm. you know you're a dad now like no shade like you know it's okay to be sexually you know free or whatever I mean I'm not trying to slam that but I'm just saying like you're a dad now you've got priorities you really need to be focusing on you know raising this kid and I, I think that he's still caught up in his life pre you know having a kid and back when he was single and hasn't come to terms with the fact that this is sort of a new season of his life that he needs to like this is a reality check things are going to be different now you can't just be in and out of a whole bunch of random women's lives and not forget about the fact that you have a child that's depending on you to be there you know even though it's just a baby at this point but still that those first three years of life are crucial um and then you know condola I had moments where I was just like, okay, I get why she's being antagonistic. I mean, Mm -hmm. she's got a lot of reasons to feel that way. But then I was just like, 
you gotta compromise a little bit. Like he is the father of your kid in spite of all of the drama and the differences that you guys had in your relationship. He's the father of your kid. So you, you gotta let him in um, to, you know, be a part of that child's life. So um, her being super protective and not wanting him involved and that was a little frustrating. But at this at the same time, I understood it, but I'm just like, let's, you know, come on guys, let's be real. Let's be adults here. Let's grow up a little bit. Yeah. And by the way, can I shout out uh, Kiki Palmer in this episode? I'm I'm hoping she, I don't know if she helped too much. Like, oh, yeah. Really help them grow up, but I don't know. She might just been being Kiki Palmer, which we don't, we don't hate either. <laughs> the Black Girl Nerds podcast will return in just a moment. So during Thanksgiving, I dusted off my DVD player and just found myself spending all hours of the day and into the evening watching movies. Movies is my jam, I love them, and I have a pretty good solid DVD collection. And it's good to know that there are still businesses out there that sell and support DVDs, as well as other formats such as CDs, vinyl, Blu-rays, and even cassettes. This is CD Universe. They sell music and movies and all physical media, no streaming or downloads. They've been internet retailers since 1996, over 20 years ago, back when DVDs and CDs and vinyl and even cassettes were like the status quo. But sometimes you just want to go back to the old school way of doing things. And that's where CD Universe gives us that opportunity with a way bigger selection than local stores. There's lots of vinyl that's always on sale. And there are new titles of music and movies that are also on sale prior to release. So you're not only getting the old school music and movies, you're also getting new titles as well. And we know Christmas is right around the corner, so take advantage. So we like to treat our listeners right here over at Black Girl Nerds, and you're going to get 10% off your first order by visiting cduniverse.com slash bgm. Go old school or, you know, listen to your favorite new artists on physical media by checking out CD Universe. And by doing so, you can get 10% off your first order. That's cduniverse.com slash BGN to get 10% off. Um, so Danielle, let me ask you, do you think we can get a Lawrence Condola relationship or they just need to start where they, they just need to be, find out how to be parents and keep it moving? I mean, I think it's one of those complicated ones. It's like, yeah, I think potentially they could make things work, but it's kind of like Janie said, they both kind of have to compromise. Um, but I'm definitely, I was definitely more irritated with Condola in that episode. <laughs> just because, like last, you know, last season we have her saying, oh, I'm having this baby basic, you know, I'm going to do this. You can be as involved as, you know, you want to be. Or, you know, she left it so open-ended rather than saying, hey, I want you to, you know, let's do this together, you know, trying to work out something. So um, I would think as Lawrence is trying to get involved and it's feeling maybe to her like he's not doing enough, I was like, okay, well, what what did was it supposed to look like? This is like the most, I guess, it's so chaotic. And so when he's trying to be involved it becomes this really intense, like, don't touch the baby. You can't hold the baby. It's like, whoa, <laughs> you chose him. Like, you knew that was going to be the father. So 
you gotta, you know, you've got to make some compromise, but I think also it's just, it's complicated. Like I watch it and I'm like, I'm glad I'm not them right now. Right. Yeah. Like that, they made it look real painful, like real painful to like pick up the phone and talk and I don't know, maybe get some counseling. I'm not a parent, but I'm like, geez, like y'all got to figure it out. Like, yeah, that, that episode was definitely painful showing you know little to no growth for Lawrence we're gonna keep our fingers crossed for him you know he still got some episodes to figure it out um maybe there was like some growth in Faulty this is episode four um that we're gonna talk about here now my favorite moment is seeing Issa Rae or Issa D get hit in the head with a beach ball and somebody's like uh can you toss it back I'm like I love can I just say I'm gonna miss about this show how awkward she is how she plays yeah. that up because there are just some moments in life where you are so awkward and you like, please stop talking, please be quiet, but you can't stop yourself. And I just love that about the show. I mean, I really thought when I first heard about Insecure coming out, because I remember Issa Rae from the misadventures of awkward black girl days. Like that's mm, when yeah. I got hit to who Issa Rae was. Um, I mean, my first interview really was with Issa Rae talking about that web series. And um, I was kind of hoping that Insecure was going to be basically a version of that. And it is in some way. I mean, Issa D's character is very much like Jay and um, mm-hmm. Awkward Black Girl. But um, I would just love Issa to do like another series where she's just this awkward, nerdy Black girl <laughs> just navigating, you know, what it is to be kind of different and um, sort of just p- draw those parallels from the web series into uh, a new show so I don't know but yeah I, I kind of missed that um, but th- this episode it was it was interesting it, it my issues with Issa and Nathan are just so just so exhausting so um, there, there's a lot of going back and forth um, in this episode between them but I do like the fact that Nathan is just you know kind of confronting her kind of exactly what Danielle was saying like you know um letting her know like you know what what do you want and like what do you want out of this um so I'm glad that Nathan is kind of sticking up and just being frank about you know where they stand in the relationship because East is not going to do anything she's just going to ask friends so what do you think is Nathan sleeping with this girl you know you know saying she won't actually (laughs) talk to him directly and have an adult conversation and it just Sometimes it feels a little high school to me. It's just like, come on, Issa, you, you've been through this. Like, I just wish we saw a more mature arc at this point of Issa D in our fifth season. And we're just not there yet. Yeah, a lot of people in the comments said they don't think Nathan and um, is res- like respects her enough. Or it was just like a lot like uh, on Twitter about like their relationship. And if they, you know, if they really are there to benefit each other, you know, they don't really compliment each other. I don't know, just like a whole bunch. So I don't think a lot of people are feeling this relationship. So I don't know. Maybe they'll, I don't know if they'll throw in another guy. I don't know. She's just kind of in this weird circle where they just keep going around and around. I don't think, I, I don't think she's ready to have something as heavy. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's ready for a heavy relationship like Nathan. Like Nathan is someone who needs someone who's patient, someone who's confident in themselves. Uh, because he's got a lot of issues as well, you know, dealing with his mental health and stuff. And I don't know if Issa is the right match for Nathan because she's still kind of all over the place, which is literally what he said in the episode. You're all over the place. So, and he needs that balance. You know, he he kind of needs someone that's consistent. 
Um, because I'm sure just for someone, I mean, I, I, I don't have any experience in this, but I can only assume that someone that's suffering from bipolar disorder, having someone else in your life that lacks consistency and that is bouncing around all over the place, that would probably trigger a lot of those issues that you have in your, in your illness. So yeah, I don't, I just don't think that they're a right fit for each other on both sides. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't, I think they just, poor Issa, like she just, I, I don't know. I'm hoping we're, I'm just going to cross my fingers that by the end of this, we get a stable, maybe not, or even just not a stable relationship, like a stable Issa. She can be mm-hmm. single, you know, do her, do her home thing. Um, but I think they need, like, if they're going to keep the guy thing going in, I think they need to add somebody else in. Like, I don't know who it would be, but I don't know. I just feel like she's caught up in this, in this weird circle. But yeah, I definitely think Nathan needs that balance that I'm not too sure Issa Issa can handle that or she's ready for that because she got a lot of stuff she got to figure out um but I don't I can't remember the character's name but he just kept saying Jason Derulo <laughs> the whole the whole thing but I'm thinking oh, yeah, okay. I was gonna, Danielle I was gonna go to you with this question and you know feel free to do jump in whatever you want to talk about for this for this fourth episode but would would he make a good uh um boyfriend for uh Kelly oh my god that's so funny I mean, Kelly is, I will say, speaking of confidence and being sure of yourself, I feel like Kelly is one of those characters where she would be a good girlfriend to pretty much anyone because she's so sure of herself. Like if somebody breaks her boundaries, she can be like, bye. So, um, I mean, I don't really know too much about that guy. He's just very happy about Jason Derulo. That's pretty much all we know. Um, But... (laughs) I think that, you know, it could, it could work. It could work. Cause you know, I think that she knows how to, how to charm people pretty well. Um, and kind of going back onto our conversation about Issa a little bit, I think that she either needs to be in the relationship with someone who's in the rotation or with herself, but I'm like, please no more men especially in the last season I think that would yes. be such a cheap cop out it's like oh here comes the dream guy in the last season we never saw him coming I'm like oh my god I would like throw I don't know my remote at the TV <laughs> if that happened this far in um but yeah I just I don't know I think at this point yeah I think she should be by herself and I was I yeah. was a heavy like I was supporting Nathan until faulty okay where I was just like I kind of like, like, you know, you all said, I don't think that they're a good match for each other anymore. Mm-mm. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to keep my fingers crossed. I'm, I'm for this whole season. <laughs> I don't know. I think she just need to get, to, I feel like these episodes need to go to an hour. Now that's just me. And I think she playing with us right now because she knows this, but we're going to see, we're going to see, like, she just can't let us, it's going to be really big. And I'm going to be watching social media. I know you ladies are too, like for this last episode, because if she doesn't pull this off, Ooh, buddy. I hate that. I hate to see that. I hate to see that. Hopefully it's no bullying, but I hate to see what everybody's going to say. I just don't think she's mature enough. I mean, the way she's being written, at least in this last season, she's not mature. She doesn't have the mental capacity to handle a deep, serious relationship based off of her actions, her decisions, her indecisions. Um, I just, I don't see it happening. So I, I know that they're probably going to try to wrap it up in a nice little bow and have her be with Nathan and they live happily ever after kind of thing. But, um, it reality wise, like in real life, they would not last. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and we can see that. I mean, they're, you know, they they doing it for the TV too, but you can kind of tell, like, every time we think she's getting close, like, even with Lawrence, everybody knew with that, when it came back, we were like, okay, some, the other shoe's going to drop somewhere. Something's going to happen where she can't go back to this relationship. There's no way. So, yeah, this is going to be a, a really interesting game. We all going to be so mad and yelling at our TV, talking mm-hmm. in the mirror, like, all that good stuff until we finish this last season of Insecure. But, ladies, any last thoughts as we wrap up Insecure? The first four episodes. Um, I've seen uh some more episodes of Insecure, and y'all gonna be yelling at TV even more. That's all I got. No, say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be yelling at the TV. I have two, so I'm trying to be mindful of my comments yeah. here. But I, I actually think that I don't think that um, Issa and Nathan will end up together. I know that I can't remember the interview, but I think Issa said that she changed the ending to something more realistic. And I feel like there, there is going to be this more independent moment for her. At least that's what I think. Um, but then again, I, you have to remember fan service. So hopefully they don't get too fan servicey with the relationship stuff. Oh man, I'm nervous. See, see, I shouldn't have asked you guys. Cause now I'm nervous. <laughs> I've only seen four episodes. Oh my gosh, you guys, this is going to be crazy. All right, well, let's get off of this because I'm getting very nervous and I have, because, you know, like I said, I only seen the four episodes. So I'm riding with you guys that are listening and have, then I have no idea. Or by the time we watch this, maybe one or two more episodes are out. So we don't know what's going to happen. So yeah, this is driving me nuts. But yeah, go check it out. HBO Max, Insecure, season five. All right, now let's get to the little crazy here. You know, maybe you were into it. It was definitely a mix up on Netflix. It definitely took over Squid Game. Or as on Black Twitter, as they make jokes, you know, Black people calling it Squid Games, you know, add the S, add the S onto the end of it. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was funny. Like, we always like to put an S on stuff. I thought that was so funny to see on social media. But anyway, so yes, yeah, South Korea. This is talking about a lot of South Korea culture, history in this show. Now, I mean, let me go ahead and mention this because a lot of people that went, you know, crazy on social media got into it. Hopefully you're not trying any of this stuff, but this is a fictional show. But sometimes people get caught up and you know the world of because you know netflix brings it and they bring it hard um this was something different these games were insane but i'm going to go to initial thoughts jamie i'm going to start with you wow well i was a little late to squid game it wasn't until um everybody was already talking about it on social media that i even knew about it i feel like that's probably where everybody got started because it's not like Netflix marketed it. You know, there was no press junkets for Squid Game. Um, so no one really knew about it until it actually played on Netflix. And then word of mouth spread and then people started getting into it. So I binged watched this in one sitting. I think it was like at around 11 a.m. I started streaming it and then I was done by like six or seven that evening. It was on a Sunday. Um, That's how good it was. Like I could not stop. I refused to stop. I was like, I got to see how this ends. I got to see who lives or who dies. Um, So yeah, my overall thoughts is brilliant storytelling, a beautiful metaphorical story that's the underpinning of the game, you know, like there's a really interesting human interest story that unfolds with these characters. And what's great about Squid Game is you can relate to it. You can relate to that, you know, to the characters in these games. Like, even though this is obviously a very far-fetched and kind of, you know, super convoluted, crazy 
uh, game of live or die, you know, for money, but like how, what would you do? You know, how much are you willing to risk? And what I really loved is the fact that they showed each of these characters backstories to give them enough of a motive to take those kinds of risks. It wasn't just some random, oh, okay, we're just going to get into this game for the fun of it. Like there were extreme circumstances attached to these characters where you're like, okay, this makes sense that they're willing to risk their life to do this or even take another life. Um, so that being said, it I just thought it was brilliant. I mean, some of the best horror and thriller comes from um, South Korea, comes from like Korean movies and stuff. So they just know how to tell stories really well. And um, I'm, I'm excited to see the next uh, iteration or the sequel rather to, to the series. Yeah, and I just wanted to mention too, um, Jamie was probably part of this, 1.65 billion hours of viewing in 28 days, I read on um, on Squid Game. So yeah, that's insane. So we definitely knew there was gonna have to be a season two of this. But here is my question. I'm tossing to Danielle here. Was there too much violence? I'm curious. Was that too much violence for you, Danielle? What did you think about Squid Game? Oh, no. I, I like violent shows. So, um, That's so surprising you know. hearing that from you, Danielle. Really? <laughs> no, I do. I like I like violent shows. Not like, and especially this kind of show where, where the violence is very, like, it is that, the way it is for a very specific purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's supposed to be shocking and it's supposed to be, you know, it's supposed to be uncomfortable and it's supposed to make you, you think like, um, why did they do it this way? Because it, with every single game, the violence changes form and they choose like a sort of gimmick or a theme. Like this isn't just, you know, your regular action movie where it's like, okay, everyone's just getting shot, even though that is something that happened in Squid Game, but not, you know, in the traditional manner. So this is creative violence. Um, and kind of like Jamie mentioned, there's so many things to unpack about like the bigger implications and meanings. Like while I was watching this, I literally would like go in circles in my head going, okay, so that person did that. Well, they did that. And that means that, oh, but it could mean this too. You know, like <laughs> it's one of those shows that keeps you up at night and going, oh my God, like what, what was the, you know, the decision? Um, why was the decision made on different things? So Um, I thoroughly enjoyed that element and I don't think that it would have the same emotional impact on audiences if it was, you know, I guess lighter with the violence or if it was, you know, we only saw a little bit, then it would be kind of like, eh, you know, this isn't so bad, but we're like, oh my God, this is terrible. Yeah, I can't get that like the first episode. Like, well, actually, can I just say after Game of Thrones, I don't think I think now I might be on uh, Danielle's track where you can just watch violent stuff. I'm just gonna put that out there. Like, I feel like after you get past that thing, I feel like (laughs) a lot of shows just kind of like this is a different level than Game of Thrones, but it gets you it gets you ready to see that kind of stuff on TV um because that's when I was first shocked by it. But this one, like, I can't get that doll in the first episode when they're playing red light, green light. (laughs) <laughs> like that was that was insane I was like I was not ready for that for that for squid game I was not ready but I enjoyed, I thought it was really good I thought it had a lot of important uh concepts when you talk about diversity and something new you know um talking about some of these issues even though there is a lot of you know there's a lot of uh, fictional elements but it's talking about you know the economic status of a lot of people in South Korea 
it's going back to um, there was a, a factory back in 2009, um, real life event where they fired over a car factory. They fired over 2,600 workers I was reading about. Um, and, you know, that led to like a lot of devastated families, a lot of suicide. So they brought in a lot of that stuff into the show. And like Jamie was saying earlier, what are you, what would you do to, you know, get a ton of, you know, get that millions of dollars to, if you're in debt, if you want to set your life on the right track, are you going to risk it all? Would you play this game? And so in the whole time, I still, I mean, well, actually, okay. The answer for me is no, but as you, but you get hooked in and I, I've been just at this show too, in one sitting because you get so hooked in because you're like, well, at some point it can't get worse. Right. Like at some point, you know, maybe they walk away or, you know, something happens, but you just really see how money drives people. And if a, if a society is so based on that, what's in our culture just really drive, like how much money means and being wealthy and what that status means. Um, what did you guys think about, you know, a lot of the, the depictions of South Korea, what it might mean about, you know, what some of the people there are going through or, you know, maybe your own answers to would you actually do go through this for money? I mean, it's, it, it kind of relates to today. I mean, you know, the pandemic is a little different, you know, um, than this. But, you know, a lot of people are did find, did suffer like a lot of financial ruin. I think that it depends on the quality of life that you're living. Um, so we see this with, you know, systemic violence and systemic poverty and things like that. Mm -hmm. And these characters, most of them are in extreme debt or they're um, kind of trying to escape these really oppressive societies. So it's kind of like, okay, I'm already dying. I'm just dying slowly and I'm not getting anywhere. There's nothing for me. And if you do the games, it's like, okay, I either A, get a quick death. So I'm not dying of poverty. I'm not, you know, continually suffering or I have a chance of winning this money and changing my life completely. So even though it seems crazy, um, in many ways, I think that it makes sense when you're already suffering so much. So me now, no, I would not enter the games, but I'm not, you know, I'm fortunate and privileged enough to not be at that point of a lot of the people who were in the games. So I could see why um, it made it made sense. At first it didn't. I was like, why are they doing this? But as we learned more, I was like, okay, I kind of get it. All right. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to try not to go on a tangent politically, because I know probably most of you guys that are listening, and Ryan, you know, where my political... <laughs> I was going to say, can you give us like a little bit of the tangent? But I know, I know, like, I'm, you know, I, you know, I'm not going to cut you off. But you know, if you if you need a whole other episode, we can do that too. So I, I identify as a democratic socialist. And um, I think capitalism, I'm not against capitalism, but I think the capitalism of today has become very corrupt. And when you've got people like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk making billions and billions of dollars to the point where they'll never be able to spend all of their money um, because it's just ridiculous. Um, it, it makes me wonder, and let me go back. When you have people like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos who hordes and billions of dollars, you know, for their salaries as CEOs of their respective companies, but then they don't unionize their workers. Uh, Amazon, as we've heard horror stories of workers uh, having to urinate in bottles because they don't get enough bathroom breaks. Recently, they had to fight for getting at least $15 minimum wage. I mean, 
things, when you hear about these kind of stories, it's just repulsive to me. So what makes Squid Game very appealing, I think, is that this is playing out in real life, that the 1% is literally playing a game, which we, end, we inevitably see these parallels towards the very last episode when we find out the architect behind this, right? This rich, wealthy old guy that just sees this as a game. And um, I think that a lot of people that make billions of dollars, the 1%, even you know, people that are legislators in our government really are toying with the lives of Americans and uh, really see this as a game for just wanting to earn wealth. And, and by game, I say that they're not even thinking about the interest of human beings' lives, but they're only seeing their own financial interests and uh, their only bottom line is wealth. And it's really unfortunate because we shouldn't have hunger in this country. If there are people like Jeff Bezos that makes you know over $150 billion a year, I mean, you cannot spend that money <laughs> in a lifetime. You just can't. So if, you, if there are people walking around like him um, and he has that kind of wealth, we shouldn't have world hunger we should be able to provide Medicare for every single person living in this country absolutely free. We should not have to pay for insurance. So I'm, I'm going to dial it back because I, I can go on for a long time. But it's just that uh, I think that Squid Game definitely pulls a lot of those parallels in showing how desperate people will be to earn that kind of wealth knowing that there are people out there that have those opportunities that they strive for. And there's this sort of fake mystical idea that, well, if you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you can earn as much money as this CEO and this executive. And you got to remember a lot of these guys have privilege and they had fathers and, you know, members of their family that were wealthy before they came into their own wealth. So that's why I'm not a big fan of the capitalism of today. And we see that play out very in its rawest form in Squid Game. So anyway, end rant. Yeah. Hey, no, I appreciate the rant. And I think there's a lot of important points that people have to hear. I mean, it's it's absolutely. And I think that's too, like some of the draw besides, you know, people trying to create their TikTok challenges and whatever you're going to do because you watch Squid Game. Th those are, I feel like, some of the important messages people needed to see. And in that way, because it was something different, um, you know, them, these contestants having to go through all this just to provide for their families, just to get like, you know, a little bit of peace or they thought they were going to get. And look how that turned out, you know, them getting this glimpse. And then you turn out to which, by the way, I wanted to punch this old man at the end of this because I felt so <laughs> bad for him. And then I was like, so he thought this was like he really thought this was a game like he thought this was funny to to you know to like he had it creating his own little game show for him to sit there and watch because he had so much money you know of the status the status that wealthy people have you know in this instance and showing this example when there's people out there hungry you know health care all that kind of stuff that can benefit from using your money the right way and you know proper working conditions for these big you know top fortune 500 companies you know that that they could do and yeah it's just it's a huge eye-opener uh, squid game and yeah i'm i'm if, if this takes us up in season two the next level it's one of those like really reflective um years that we're going through years to come probably still as we make our way through the pandemic i think it's going to shed a lot of eyes and a lot of people getting called out 
um, for a lot of these practices and, and how they view, you know, capitalism and, and um, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, Jamie, I appreciate the rant. And I think we need another rant here because can we talk about the organ harvesting that got me in this show? I was like, what is happening? Look, I know this is a thing, but I haven't been down the rabbit hole. Um, I kind of wanted to investigate it more, but then I was scared to investigate it more. So, uh, but then, yeah, I'm going to go, if you want to add anything about, you know, before um, about capitalism or anything, but I was curious your thoughts on that. Did that shock you at all? Or was I, was I like the only one? Um, so yeah, first I want to say, I totally agree with both of what you, you're both like rants on this because yeah, um, I think that it's pretty, pretty disgusting for, you know, rich people to be like, oh, we're so bored and privileged. We're going to bet on people like horses, um, right. and see how they do. Um, and yeah, that is the, one of the, you know, the huge call outs to a capitalist model, I guess. I, yeah, I agree with that. Um, but yeah, the, the organ part, the organ um, harvesting was definitely interesting. Um, I guess it's one of those things where it's still about that capitalist system. So, you know, organs are something that that sell. Um, it's kind of making the complete use of a human body, which again, if you don't think of the humanity of it all, and you think of something like a like a chicken, you know, like a chicken that you're going to cook and eat. You want to make use of all the pieces of the chicken, and that's kind of the sick rhetoric of this show. Is like you can sell it on the black market, um, and it kind of shows how um, people really are in these kind of crazy situations um, that they're they are no longer humans; they are numbers, and they're kind of reduced to um, being objects for profit. Yeah, I, it was just a lot for me. Like those are a lot of scenes where I was just kind of looking down a little bit. It was like, it was, it was like some moments where you needed to look away and you're like, oh my gosh, what is, what is going to happen right now? Um, and just the way they had it all, like, um, cause Danielle, I, I totally, like when I was looking up this stuff a little bit, you, that's very realistic, you know, which is scary some of the stuff that they were depicting and you know like you said they're treating the human body as a product you know that's what this is supposed to symbolize but just the way they had the process and the systems down in this game in this hidden you know on a hidden mountain or something where nobody's going to be able to discover what's going on you know all these people missing from their families yeah it was just it, it was a lot for me in in those scenes Jamie you have anything you want to add and uh, add about this no, I mean, I, I think I agree wholeheartedly with Danielle's sentiments. I mean, I think it's just the organ harvesting didn't shock me at all. It, it is something that is very real that happens and the black market and, you know, along with organ harvesting, illegal guns and all kinds of crazy stuff you can get on the black market um, and the dark web and all of that. Uh, but it just goes to show what people are willing to do for money. And, you know, if, if people were in situations where they were able to afford to buy the things that they need, their, you know, their basic essential needs, they wouldn't have to harvest, <laughs> they wouldn't have to, you know, go to the black market for this or that. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's a crazy endless cycle of, of what capitalism does in its most corrupt form. 
and again, I say this, that I'm not anti-capitalist, I'm not against it, because I think several decades ago, it actually helped and benefited the middle class and helped our society. Mm. But now when you see the 1% making way more than, you know, the bottom 99, and there's this huge, you know, disparaging, um, or the huge discrepancy rather between what they earn versus what everyone else is earning, then you got to call into question some things. So, yeah. Now, listen, I'm gonna question this a little bit here, because we're gonna go to the social media of it all. So, um, Chrissy Teigen, there's a lot to be said about Chrissy Teigen, but she had her, (laughs) She had a squid game party. So um, I'm going to start with that first. First of all, would you guys go to a squid game party? I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out what's at the squid game party and who like RSVP and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. So Danielle, are you going to a squid game party? Ooh, that's a really hard question. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it really depends on how squid game we're talking like I can do a squid game cake and you know I don't know we watch the the show but if we're all like cosplaying and doing like fake games and have you know like if it's immersive like that I don't think so um (laughs) that's not one I you know I could do that with other things like with Harry Potter or even strangely enough I feel even more comfortable doing it with like something like Hunger Games but oh, it yeah. just feels kind of bizarre with Squid Game for some reason like I can do a light a lightly themed party but if we're like playing the creepy music and we got like the creepy I don't know like doll thing the girl who shoots <laughs> you know I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna stay away from that yeah, you like, yeah, I'm not going to RSVP for this one. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I should have dug a little bit more on this. I just, I saw it, like, come up, like, instantly. Um, You know, like, if you guys, uh, listeners, want to Google it out there, her getting bashed for the party. I'm not sure. I think there was, like, a picture of, like, the some of the, um, you know, the outfit and stuff she had on or whatever. But, yeah, I don't know how in-depth she went. It's it's very weird. Like, I know, I think I will pause at the invitation being sent. You know, like, hey, RSVP, the Squid Game party. Like, what? Like, what is happening? But um, I don't know. I mean, everybody's going to have to. It's like people can't just leave it on Netflix or whatever. Like, they got to do something with it. They got to turn it into something. So, yeah, Jamie, are you are you going to RSVP for the party? Oh, it depends on the party. I mean, I get it. I get that there's a huge fandom behind this and people want to join in the celebrity of it all. But I, I will say that I, I would check it out if it was something that was harmless, like people, you know, like Danielle said, like cosplaying and stuff. And um, also like playing some of the lighter games featured in Squid Game, like the Crystallized Sugar, uh, the Tug of War, maybe, you know, like those games, then I don't see the harm in that, you know, but if people are going all crazy and falling through glass on a, (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, we're not, we're not doing that. We're not shooting people with even fake bullets and paintballs and doing red light green light like I don't think that would be fun either that would be very traumatizing to watch and experience in my opinion but but the lighthearted versions of it you know or even the you know the um the marbles you know that that that'd be okay but uh yeah it just there would be limits as far as what kind of games we would be playing yeah, nobody hurt at the end of this party. You know, make sure that right. is at the bottom of your invitation. Um, also, I don't, I'm not familiar with this YouTuber. I might need to get ca- uh, caught up, but Mr. Beast spent 3.5 oh, billion yeah. to recreate the Squid Game. 
so yeah what do you ladies think about that he, he does, does that yeah I'm, I'm familiar with mr beast he does that like i actually love the the hustle that mr beast has done <laughs> with his youtube channel really because first of all he amasses millions and millions of views which mm-hmm. affords him the opportunity to spend a lot of money doing his pranks and his stunts and i watched an interview with him and he he said that he basically funnels all of the money that he earns on YouTube and back into his projects, into his videos. Um, so that's oh, wow. what makes them stay relevant and popular on the YouTube algorithm. And I just I appreciate that hustle. I mean, I'm sure he's doing well financially, uh, but still <laughs> the fact that he he makes that his um you know, that that's the way that's his process as a YouTuber. I just found that to be fascinating, but yeah, it, it doesn't surprise me that the YouTube influencers out there is going to jump on this because the whole movement went viral movement. The whole series went viral. Like everybody was talking about it. So if you've got a fan base, if you've got a platform, um, you mentioned squid game, people are going to want to check it out. So I don't blame them. I'm like, I'm torn. I, I don't know that YouTuber, but it's like you said, you know, everybody jumped on to Squid Game, you know, every YouTuber, every TikTok person, just everyone. But I don't know, how, like, it sounds like he spent a lot of money for that. And then I'm like, wait, did you miss the point of the show? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, whoa. like, you're basically saying I watched Squid Game and I didn't learn anything or I didn't care. Yeah. Um, Cause it's like, wait, why didn't you spend your money to like go towards, pe- you know, people and communities that needed it. And then I suppose like, if you really wanted notoriety, you could mention that on your channel, but instead you recreated it, which probably like, I have to look it up now. Cause I'm like, probably is epic. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, Hmm, I don't know. I don't know if this sits right with me, but like, I guess, again, like you said, Jamie, everybody's jumping on it. So everyone's trying to get some sort of profit or attention so I think if anything, it makes Squid Game even more interesting as a phenomenon because it's like, oh, in a way, we create our own like you know Squid Game without violence, but there's a competition there um, for the most you know for the most views or the, for the most popularity to get your your content. So I don't know. That's me rambling, but I think it's interesting. I, I will add this in fairness to Mr. Beast, he is actually known for giving ridiculous amounts of money to random strangers so Mm -hmm. like he has these videos where he'll tip a waitress like 10 grand so he actually does give his money to people that need it um which is the reason why I was even drawn to watching his videos in the first place because uh you know he'll just you know give a homeless guy like a whole bunch a wad of cash um so I just wanted to say that you know in defense of him like I know some people don't like him I don't I, I don't have an opinion either way. I just think the way he does his process as a YouTuber is very fascinating. But yes, he actually does give his money to like people that are, you know, in in need of it. So yeah, and, and that's the lesson that you need to get from it. Like hopefully people take that away from the show. Danielle, what were you gonna say? Oh, I just said that's good. Yeah, that's good to have that context because it's like at, at a surface level, it looks like, whoa, but it's like, okay, you know, once you know more about somebody, it's like, oh, okay, all right, I think we're okay, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, I'm just hoping, yeah, I'm hoping people take that away from the show. They don't get too caught up in just, you know, just trying to get the profit out of. They know this is this is the hot ticket right now. Everybody trying to recreate it, right? Trying to come up with their their concept, their spin on it. But you know, give back. Why are you doing it? You know, you can get creative with it and and have fun, but try to give back and just, you know, get some of the important overall messages and you know, make sure no people are harmed at the end of the day after you recreate whatever squid game you're gonna do. So yeah, there you go. Ladies, any last comments? I have loved girl chatting with you guys as always. No, I just, um, thank you so much. Um, this has been fun. You know, we've gone from like the juiciness of relationships and self-growth and insecure to like the bloody carnal capitalistic, you know, <laughs> um, showdown of Squid Game. So it's been an adventure I've enjoyed. Yeah, I, I've enjoyed this as well. And I, I just one last note on Squid Game. One of the things that also was really phenomenal about the series is that B line um, or that B plot rap. In addition to the main game, which is the A plot. I loved that because they could have just like had it just focus on the game and, you know, the contestants and then obviously trying to kill each other and all that. Mm -hmm. And I think after a while that would kind of get a little monotonous and even maybe boring at times, but because they had that B line, I keep saying B line, B plot. Um, it, at least for me as a viewer, it made it even more compelling and more interesting to watch. Cause I'm like, okay, what is going on? Is, is he going to be found out? Like, you know, what, what's, is it going to find his brother? Like what's going to happen? So um, just great storytelling and just fascinating series. And yeah, I, I enjoy talking about Insecure, even though this season is getting on my damn nerves and uh <laughs> Uh, hopefully it wraps up in a very self-satisfying way for all of the characters and for us as viewers, because we've invested so many years into it. And I love Insecure with all my heart. That's why I'm very passionate about my feelings toward it at this point. But um, it's it's been a fun five seasons. So, yeah. yeah. So I want you guys to let us know what you think of, you know, the episode so far of Insecure season five. Are you going to play Squid Game, you know, go to a Squid Game party, you know, for the $38.6 million? You know what I'm saying? So, like, let us know what you think. You know, like I said, make sure no people are harmed. Got to keep stating that because, you know, some people go a little extra on the side. But you guys know how to find Black Girl Nerds on all social medias. So, yeah, just let us know your thoughts and your opinions on the girl chat today. And again, Jamie, Danielle, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. And we will talk to you guys later. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Brodnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.